G'day, Kiora, to all the uh, people streaming in, and how exciting is that? Dunedin is a beautiful place. I've been to Dunedin, and uh, I love the lower hut and uh, the upper hut, if there's one as well. God bless you guys, and uh, uh, wh what an amazing church you guys are a part of. And um, on my, on my uh, business card, it says, uh, Gospel Ninja. That means I wander around this planet and I talk about Jesus. Uh, I make a mess and I leave before I have to clean up. And because of that, I get to make many observations and, uh, and you get to notice special churches. I think every church is special in the eyes of God, but every now and then you come across a church that you sense is a church that God is going to use for other churches in this world. And uh, Equippers is definitely one of those. So if I forget to say it later, I just want to say thank you so much for being an amazing, special church that is not only blessing people all over the nation of New Zealand and Tonga. Uh, I love Tongans. I love Tongans. The, the Tongan boys this week were teaching me words. What's up, docs? And uh, I <laughs> the Tongan boys this week were so much fun at Summer Revolution. And, and um, uh, you guys are not only uh, commissioned and called to, to shake the very foundations of the nation of New Zealand, but I believe you've been commissioned and called uh, to equip and to empower men and women to go out and shake the foundations of this earth by God's grace and for His glory. I believe that with all of my heart. I had such a good time on uh, Summer Revolution uh, with the young Reverend Dr. Bishop Byron uh, and Scotty and Leela, uh, just my, my dear friends. And uh, I tell you, you can, you can tell what's really inside a man uh, when you throw him in ice-cold water. And on the last uh, night, uh, we had the opportunity to throw Pastor Byron into ice-cold water, and, uh, and we saw what came out, and it was, it was pure gold, it was class, it was kindness, it was gentleness. There was some squealing, but besides that, um, gold. And uh, in all seriousness, uh, and sincerity, you have an amazing youth ministry here at this church. And um, how many know that God loves the generations? And, um, and He loves young people, and He wants to see them discover Him in a true and real and powerful way. And uh, your youth ministry here is being used as an amazing tool uh, to empower your young people into their destinies as well. How about we encourage, come on, the young people and their staff here this morning. So cool. Talking about things that bring out the real person you are, golf is one of those things. And had the chance to play golf yesterday with um, young Michael. I don't know if he's here this morning. He's one of our sound guys and, uh, and, uh, and the beautiful Willem and Pastor Sam. And uh, I'm telling you now, I, I was a little bit nervous about what would come flying out of Pastor Sam because I've heard he's a competitive beast. And uh, when we hit the golf course... Um, I was thinking to myself, um, what really lies below the surface? And I can, I can testify to you that he is a competitive beast, uh, but he is kind, he's gracious, he's gentle, and, um, and in all sincerity as well, um, so appreciate um, the bishop, uh, Sam Monk and, uh, and Kathy, and, and not only what they're doing here in this church, but the impact they're having in so many churches around the world. Had so much fun playing golf with you yesterday and winning yesterday. We still got to collect on our winnings from young Michael and Willem afterwards. Lemon lime bitters, double bitters. And, um, 
And so uh, we love you guys, and uh, I don't know how often you hear it, um, but you are so precious uh, to so many people. And, um, and we thank you for not only what you do, but how you go about and do it. Um, we love the way that you act, but also the way you react to things, because that's a pure indication of what's on the inside. And you're an amazing man and an amazing woman, Pastor Kathy, inside and out. How about we encourage Pastor Sam, come on, in this room right now. I promise not to hold you up for too long this morning. I've been told that if I stick to time, they'll take me out for lunch. Uh, there's a countdown clock here and a big trap door here. And if I, if I go over, boom, I'm gone. And um, so just for a few moments this morning, uh, I want to talk about storms. I want to talk about the storms of life. And in particular, the kinds of storms that we go to that are accompanied with an easy silence from heaven. I think everyone here in this room will identify with a storm. You know what it's like, you're living life, everything seems to be going just rosy and fine, but then all of a sudden, the storm clouds gather, and our lives get shaken, our boats get rocked, our peace dissipates and disappears, and before we know it, we find ourselves in the midst of turbulence and tribulation. I think everyone here in this room who's done any kind of journey with Jesus would acknowledge that even though we journey with the God of this universe, we are still not immune from storms in life. But every now and then, not only are these storms shaking to our soul, but the silence that comes with these storms shake us to our very core. Because there are times when a storm bruise and a storm hits and we cry out to God and He reacts and He responds nearly instantaneously, a miracle, a provision, a breakthrough, His peace and His presence. Sometimes we cry out to God in the middle of the storm and He reacts instantaneously, but sometimes, come on, don't look at me as if you don't, I'm talking about, the storm gathers and the storm hits and we cry out to God and He doesn't react or respond quite as quickly as we would like. Sometimes there's silence in the storm. And it's important for us, dare I say imperative for us, to process through where he is in the midst of that silence because silence can be distressing, silence can be disturbing, and silence undealt with becomes destructive to our journey. And because Jesus doesn't want to see us destroyed, but he wants to see us have life and life to the full. He wants to fill our life. He wants to favor our life. He wants to flourish our life. He gives us the Word of God and the Spirit of God so that we would know exactly where He is when there is silence in the storm. So for just a few minutes, we're going to talk about silence in the storm, where Jesus is. And then after that, Right on time, I'm going to be done, and we're going to scour Auckland for great poached eggs and avocado somewhere. Is that cool? All right, let me pray, and we'll jump into it. Dear Jesus, help. Amen. I'm really committed to sticking to time this morning. <laughs> Where is Jesus when there is silence in the storm? I remember a storm that I experienced a couple of years ago. Actually, my wife and I experienced it a couple of years ago. The storm came in the form of my firstborn child, Caitlin. Uh, when Caitlin came along, I was relatively confident. 
Um, I thought that as a youth communicator and her being a young person, we were going to get each other. <laughs> I read a book. Like, I thought I did everything one could do to prepare themselves for the rigors of child rearing and raising. And sure enough, when Caitlin came along, at the beginning, it was pretty easy. She ate well, and then she slept well. She even smiled for pictures. I thought to myself, I should be writing a, a book. You know, this whole child stuff is a walk in the park. But then something started happening that didn't stop happening. Uh, something started happening after two months that didn't stop happening for two years. Uh, at 11 p.m., and then again at 1 a.m., and then again at 3 a.m., and then again at 4 a.m., and then again at 5 a.m., my little baby girl would rise up out of her slumber and begin to cry. And I'm not talking about like cute little baby tears that make you want to take a picture of her and keep it for all posterity. I'm talking about the blood-curdling kind of screams that make you want to throw holy water on her and see if something flies out, that kind of crying. <laughs> so my wife and I found ourselves deeply and profoundly sleep-deprived, exhausted, exasperated, night after night, sitting on our black couch in our lounge room, crying wife, crying baby, and me nearly crying, but not crying because I'm a manly man. And in the midst of that storm, I cried out to God. Now, there have been different times in my life where I had experienced storms, ministry storms, health storms, financial storms, and I cried out to God, and He reacted, and He responded nearly instantaneously, a provision, a word, a breakthrough, a prophetic utterance. So many times in my journey, I have cried out to heaven, and heaven has given me exactly what I needed, but for some reason, in this particular storm, it felt like heaven went silent. It felt like someone up there bumped the mute button and I couldn't hear a thing. Because like any good Christian soldier in the middle of a storm, you start crying out to God and start praying to God. So I'm praying those desperate prayers. You know what I'm saying? Please, Jesus, just help us go to sleep. Help my wife sleep deeply. Help my baby sleep. You start praying all those untheologically correct prayers. You start doing bargains with heaven. If I've got any credit stored up in the goodwill bank, I will cash it all in. If I need to mortgage my soul the rest of my days and serve you for free, just help a brother sleep one night. But for some reason in this situation, it felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling and it felt like heaven had gone quiet as Jesus was silent in my storm. Not for an instant did I doubt God's strength. Every single morning I awake and I see creation. It declares to me the glory and the power of God. I never doubted His strength. And I never doubted His love. The Bible tells us, for God demonstrates His love for us in this. Whilst we're still sinners, He died for us. A blood-stained cross proves His love for me once and for all. So I never doubted His love. I just asked this question, where is this strength and where is this love right now? Because this is happening night after night after night. Exhausted, exasperated, discouraged. Silence in the storm. So because the prayers weren't working, I moved it next level and I brought the Word of God into this mix. And I thought the Word of God is going to sort it out. So I pull out my Bible, I pull out my concordance with all the different references to different words in the Bible, and I start claiming words over my baby girl. I found every single verse in the Bible that had the words stillness, silence, peace, shut up. Like every, 
word I could speak over my daughter. I spoke it over her. I rubbed the Bible on her head. I was trying absolutely everything. But we find ourselves again, night after night, the same black couch, crying wife, crying baby, me nearly crying, but not crying because I'm a manly man, asking this question, Jesus, why are you being so quiet in my storm? That silence was distressing. That silence, to be honest, was really disturbing. And over an extended period of time, that silence, that silence began to be destructive. So I thought to myself, all right, if the prayer's not gonna do it, and the Word of God can't do it, I'm wheeling out the really big guns. I'm bringing Darlene Check into this mix. So I've got Simply Worship 2. I'm playing that. She's shouting to the Lord. I'm rubbing the Bible on her head. I'm offering prayers. But still night after night, silence in the storm. I thought if Darlene can't do it, I need like the one-two punch of power, women's ministry. So I got Joyce Meyer preaching now. So Joyce is preaching, Darlene's singing, I'm praying, I'm rubbing the Bible on my baby's head. But night after night, same place, feeling like God has gone quiet in my storm. That silence was distressing. That silence was disturbing. And that silence, because it was so extended, to be honest with you, was becoming destructive. Now, because I'm a part of a church, a beautiful faith community during this time, I would start receiving advice from well-meaning segments of my faith community who will remain nameless, women, that would come forward with advice on how to get my baby to go to sleep. I had this, this gorgeous Asian lady come up and tell me what I need to do was to, it's an old Chinese remedy, to get boiling Chinese tea and pour it on my daughter's back. And then what would happen is a black hair would grow out, I need to shave the hair off, and my baby would go to sleep. So here I am in the middle of the night, I'm praying prayers, I'm rubbing the Bible on her head, Darlene singing, Joyce is preaching, the kettle is boiling, because that's how you get when you find yourself in the middle of a storm, and it feels like heaven's gone a little bit quiet. And before you Caucasian people get up on your like, kind of child-rearing high horses, there were some crazy Caucasian remedies too. Had this old lady tell me what I need to do is get my baby and wrap her really tightly in towels, put her on a washing machine, and turn the washing machine on. Because the rocking motion would make my baby feel like she was in the womb again. So here you are in the middle of the night praying prayers, rubbing the Bible on her head, darling, singing, Joyce is preaching, the kettle is boiling, my baby's on the washing machine. Because that's how you get when you're in the middle of a storm. And it feels like the love of God and the strength of God for this instant has departed because silence is distressing, silence is disturbing. And for me and my wife, silence was becoming destructive. Now I look around the room this morning and I know there are many people here who won't be able to identify with sleep deprivation or the storm that comes from a crying baby. But I know that nearly everyone here in this room will know all too well what it's like to find yourself in the middle of a storm and feel like heaven has gone just a little bit quiet. Come on, how about those financial storms? You know, we sing it at church, Jehovah Jireh, clap my provider. You believe that he is the God who has cattle on a thousand hills. But it feels, though, it feels like those cattle have gone missing and 
Everyone's telling you, you know what? The global economic downturn is over and things are looking good now in New Zealand and our economy is booming, but it feels like you've missed out on that boom. And you do everything right by the book. You're giving and you're sowing and you're tithing. You're going to business, men's and women's breakfasts. You're doing everything right by the book. But for some reason, it feels like you still find it so hard to make ends meet. Maybe even this week, you found yourself with your spouse or your business partner sitting at a dinner table or at a desk, scratching your heads going, how are we going to pull through in this quarter? And if you were to be totally honest, you're asking this question, hey God, I know that you're faithful when it comes to finances, but where are you right now in the middle of this money storm that I'm going through? I know there are some people here this morning who have been through or are going through an unemployment storm. And then unemployment hits us at so many levels, not only at our like kind of, you know, bank account level, but in our personal sense of worth and personal sense of self. And, and you know that God wants to provide in every area of your life. And you've heard these testimonies of God coming through and, and, and providing a job and providing employment. And, and you think to yourself, what, what's different between me and that individual? Why does it feel like they're stepping into their, their, their job destiny and it feels like I'm still here spinning my wheels? Hey, God, I'm praying to you. God, I'm asking you. Why does it feel like you've gone quiet in the middle of my unemployment storm? I know there are some people here this morning, maybe some mums and dads who are going through a family storm, and that family storm are called teenagers. And it just feels like yesterday they were so, they were so like kind of cute, and, and they would jump into your arms, and they would listen to everything that you say, but now they have pushed away from your arms, and they've closed their ears to everything you say. Maybe there's a mum or a dad here this morning that even last night at 11 o'clock when you told them to be home, you sat alone in your bedroom wondering where they were. Not only last night, but seemingly every night. They once upon a time were the kids that were the models of what it's like to be raised up in the house of God, but now they resemble the prodigal more and more. And you cry out to heaven and you ask this question, how come my friends are growing closer with their kids? How come my friends had their young people go to summer revolution this week and come back full of Jesus and body odor? Why did my friends experience such a move of grace when they came into their teenage years. How about me? How about my family? Hey God, I know that you're good and I know that you're strong, but where's your goodness and your strength in my teenager's life right now? We ask these questions when we find ourselves in the middle of these family storms. How about those health storms? You know, that sickness, that disease, that ailment, that disability. You see the testimonies all the time on these videos of someone who has had a cancer removed or an arm grown back or, or a back repaired and you, and you hear it all the time and you sometimes just think to yourself, I wouldn't mind being one of those testimonies. And I know that you're Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, but where's my healing? Where's my breakthrough? Where's my testimony? Maybe even Throughout the course of 2015, you found yourself sitting in a hospital room or a doctor's waiting space and just thought to yourself, 
I know that you're good and I know that you're strong, but Jesus, I'm in the middle of this crazy health storm right now. And it feels like you ain't doing much. Where are you, Jesus, when you're quiet in my health storm? The reality is, anybody who has ever journeyed any distance with Jesus, the reality is, at some point in their journey, they would have experienced, albeit short sometimes, but real nevertheless, a season where it feels like he's gone, come on, just a bit quiet in their storm. And like I said before, it is imperative for us to know how to process through in the middle of it and when it comes where Jesus is. Because silence can be distressing, silence can be disturbing, and silence undealt with becomes destructive. And I don't lead us down this path, and I don't open up these issues. I don't present these topics to bring a sense of fear or, or discouragement into this room. I do this because I know that this church desires more than anything to engage people, come on, with a real God. And if we're really going to engage people with a real God, come on, we've got to talk about real life. And this is true, come on, to our journeys. But this is faith, not escaping the, the realities of this world and hoping that everything will be good in the next. No, this is faith. Come on, bring the power and the beauty and the strength and the majesty and the presence of God, come on, into the midst of our real world, into the midst of our real challenges. Come on, into the midst of our real questions, into the midst of the wrestle as we ponder, where are you, Jesus? In the middle of my storm, when it feels like you've gone a little bit quiet. So what I want to do in my last 24 minutes and 48 seconds with you is I want to turn, bless you, I want to turn to a passage in the Bible where Jesus goes quiet in his disciples' storm. And I want to make some observations and shape them into faith declarations regarding, come on, where Jesus still is when it feels like he's gone a little bit quiet in your storm. Because you've got to understand that the Bible isn't just a record of what unfolded 2,000 years ago. The Bible is given to us as a precedent to show us how God still interacts with us, come on, and how He still rolls to this day. So I want to have a really quick look at this story about Jesus going quiet in His disciples' storm, make a few observations about where He was then, and suggest to you that He is still right there this moment. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of Mark, the book of Mark, chapter 4. Everyone say Mark. Say Mark like an Australian. Mark. Say Mark like an American. Mark. Say, say Mark like a New Zealander. Muck brew. I, 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 I had so much fun on Summer Revolution. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, hey, let us go over to the other side. 
Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, like a massive storm comes up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. (sighs) I put that part in myself. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I love this story because I relate to this story. Here are a group of disciples just trying to journey with Jesus, get from point A through to point B and stay alive, you know what I'm saying? And so here they are this day, Jesus commands them to get into the boat to go to the other side. At this juncture, can I just give you a little bit of a bonus point? I want you to take note that these disciples were smack bang in the middle of God's will. Jesus told them to get into the boat. They got into the boat. The storm still came. Sometimes bad stuff happens to good people. We need to break this erroneous, paganistic thinking that says when something good is happening, it means that God is smiling. When something bad is happening, it means you've done something wrong and now he's frowning. No, sometimes rough stuff, come on, happens to people who are doing nothing wrong. And so here they are in the middle of God's will, going to the other side of a lake. And in the middle of the lake, this massive storm brews and this massive storm hits. Their boat is shaken, their courage is sapped and they look at one another and they say, hey, we are going down. This is it, this is the big one. I love you, bro. No, I love you, bro. I'll see you in the next life, we out. And so they're freaking out and the whole time in the middle of this storm, Jesus is in the stern sleeping on a cushion. He's out. Seemingly disconnected from their plight, seemingly nonchalant, seemingly apathetic to their cause, Jesus was there sleeping on a cushion. And then the disciples exclaim something I exclaim all the time, very rarely with my lips, but quite often in my heart. Hey, Jesus, do you care if I drown? Have you ever like kind of made that exclamation as well? Hey, Jesus, I'm going under. Are you still around? Hey, Jesus, I'm mad stressed right now. Do you care? Hey, Jesus, it feels like the water is rising. Are you there? So often in my journey, I'm not proud of it, but I do. I exclaim to heaven, I know you're good and I know that you're great, but where is your goodness and your greatness right now? Teacher, do you care if I drown? Jesus awakes, turns to the wind, turns to the waves, says, quiet, be still. Creation is calm. The storm is silenced. Jesus flexes his muscle, but more about that later. The disciples ask the question, who is this? Because we know him more now after this whole episode. And then this episode comes to an end. I just want to focus in for a few moments as we look at this story and ask this question, where was Jesus when it seemed like he was quiet in the middle of this storm, departed from their situation? Where was Jesus 
Come on, where is Jesus when it feels like he's quiet in the storm? If you have your, your notebooks and your pens, you can pull that right, out right now and take some notes. If you have an iPhone or an iPod or an iPad, you can pull that out and open up the Note app and thank the Lord Jesus for Steve Jobs as you do so, because that's a wonderful piece of technology you got right there. If you have like an Android or a BlackBerry device, you can put that away. I've got nothing for you from this point on. Come on. I'm believing that at some point in 2016, because how many know, come on, a storm is going to hit at some point in 2016. This is not fatalism. This is not kind of being negative or pessimistic. This is just preparation, people. At some point, you may experience a storm and some silence. My heart's hope and my heart's prayer is not that my accent or my words or my voice, but the Spirit of God would whisper sweetly and tenderly into your soul, come on, these realities about where he is when it feels like he's quiet in our storm. The first point is this, where is Jesus when it feels like he's quiet in our storm? He is still in your boat. Come on, he is still in your boat. Come on, tap your neighbor and tell him, come on, he's still in your boat. The Bible says, taking him along just as he was, come on, in the boat. He had not left them. He had not forsaken them. When the going got hot, he didn't get going. There wasn't a little trap door that he slipped out of. There wasn't like an angel battalion that came and whisked him away. Jesus, where was he? He was still in their boat. He did not leave them. He did not forsake them. He did not run away from them. He didn't, he, he didn't say, you know what, this is really, really bad right now. I'm out for a bit. I'll be back in a little bit and I'll see how you know. No, he was right there in their boat. And if you walk away with nothing else, I pray you walk away with this here this morning, that no matter what befalls your journey, no matter what rocks your boat, no matter what robs your joy, no matter what steals your sense of confidence, you can know this true as I'm talking to you right now. Jesus remains in your boat. Where was he? In the boat. When the rain was falling on the disciples, the rain was falling on Jesus. When the waves were drenching the disciples, the waves were drenching Jesus. As that storm was rocking the disciples, the storm was rocking Jesus. If that boat capsized, the disciples would have to make a swim for sure. And Jesus would have capsized and he would have to make a swim slash walk for sure because Jesus was still in the boat. Elvis may have left the building, but Jesus hasn't. He still remains in your boat. And this, my friends, is the beautiful fundamental difference between Christianity and every other world religion. Every other world religion is about a faraway God giving us a list of rules and regulations to engage in so one day we will be taken away from all of our problems and all, and all of our pain. 
But Christianity, come on, Jesus and the gospel alone declares a God who says, I'm not going to wait to whisk you away. I'm going to come from heaven into this earth and I'm going to, I'm going to come on, be with you. I'm, come, I'm going to stay with you. Come on, I'm going to walk with you. Come on, I'm going to cry with you. Come on, I'm going to journey with you. Come on, I'm going to fight with you. He comes to be here, but he comes to stay near. And the great promise maker is the grand promise keeper as he says, I will be with you to the very end of this age. He was keeping his promise in that moment. He was still in the boat. And I want you to hear this this year. Sitting at your dinner table trying to make ends meet when the ends are running away from one another. Come on, he is still in the boat. Come on, screaming and carrying on, going on in your living room, going, wow, what has happened to my family? He is still in the boat. Come on, sitting in a doctor's surgery, waiting for the report to come back. Where is he? Come on, he is still in the boat. In your ministry, feeling like, hey, it's really hard and really difficult in this. Come on, he is still in your boat. Smile. This is really good news. And not only is Jesus still in your boat, number two, he is still in control. Come on, he is still in control. Because the Bible says here, the storm brews and the storm hits, the boat is rocked, and this storm is so intense. It is so unrelenting that these young men, these disciples, most of whom were raised as fishermen on this very lake, they had seen this weather pattern before. They had seen storms before. They have had close calls before. This one was so bad, they thought this was the one that was going to take them under. And the whole way through this episode, they looked towards their master. They looked towards the one who was called them, and he's right there sleeping on a cushion. He's out like a deep state of NREM dream producing sleep. Jesus is out and seemingly disconnected. And I can understand why some people on the surface can read that and interpret it as Jesus not caring about his disciples, being disconnected from their plight. But like I mentioned before, the care and the love and the connection of Jesus was proven once and for all on a blood-stained cross and an empty tomb. There is no more discussion. There is no more debate. There is no more doubt about the love of God. So if he wasn't sleeping because he didn't care, we must conclude he slept for another reason. And I want to propose to you the reason he slept wasn't because he didn't care. The reason he slept is because he wasn't stressed. How do you get stressed when you God? How do you get stressed? When Colossians 1 reminds us, he's the firstborn over all creation. That's like theological term. He's the boss of the universe through whom everything was created, for whom everything was created, in whom everything is held together. The Bible makes it clear that because of Jesus, everything that we know is held together. Every particle, every ion, every element is held together by the power and the identity of Jesus. Because of Jesus, everything we know is held together. Without Jesus, everything would discombobulate and blow apart. He literally has got the whole world in His hands. And He had the disciples in His hands. 
Because he's Alpha, he's the Omega, he's the beginning, he's the end. He's the writer, director, the producer, the star of this movie. And he knows when the final credits are gonna roll. And he knew right then the final credits weren't rolling yet. And if the disciples paid a special attention, they would have heard how this whole episode was gonna turn out too. Because at the beginning of this text, Jesus says, let us go over to the other side. He didn't say, today's a nice day to go into the middle of the lake to drown. He said, we're going to the other side. Now it might take a little bit longer than you expected. It might be a little bit scarier than you hoped, but come on, we're going to the other side. And you gotta remember that no matter how crazy your life gets, no matter how dire your situation becomes, Jesus is not only still in your boat, come on, but He is still in total, absolute, unequivocal control. Come on, He's got you. He doesn't slip. He doesn't lose grip. The Psalms keep referring to the strong right hand with which God grabs hold of your life and He doesn't let go. He's got your family. He's got your finances. He's got your health. He's got this church. He's got this movement. Come on, He's got this ministry. Come on, He's got this relationship. Come on, He's got your future husband. Come on, He's got your future wife. Come on, He has got the whole world in His hands. And He doesn't slip and He doesn't lose grip. There's a beautiful Italian-American ambassador who has impacted the world greatly over the last three decades. His name is Sylvester Stallone. And I love Sylvester Stallone because in all of the movies he's in, he plays the same role, just with a different name. Every single movie. <laughs> a couple of years back, a lot of the younger people here in this room would have never heard of this movie, but some of the older people would have, like including me. Uh, there was a movie called Cliffhanger. Remember Cliffhanger? Who's seen Cliffhanger before? Great movie, all right? So Sylvester Stallone in this movie is playing like a rock climbing dude. And in the opening scene, you know exactly what's going to happen because Sly is like kind of rock climbing with a woman who seems inconsequential to the rest of the plot. So you know it's exactly what's going to happen. Um, and, and sure enough, they're there rock climbing and this massive, this, this piece of um, um, climbing cable breaks. She falls, Sly grabs her. Okay, so she's like hanging over like a hundred meter jagged rock drop and Sly is holding her over this drop and trying to calm her down. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like hanging over a 100 meter jagged rock drop and the guy trying to calm goes, <laughs> and so Sly's trying to calm her down. And you think to yourself for a moment, if there is someone in Hollywood who has the strength to hold on to this woman and carry her to safety, it's Sylvester Stallone. You know what I'm saying? It's Sly, man. But even Sly could only hold on for so long because the, 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 the camera shot pulls in tightly on his hands and slowly he slips and eventually he loses grip. She begins to fall. And the last thing she sees before she hits the ground is, could you imagine? What a way to go. Don't get down on Sly. Sly is limited by his humanity. When you feel like you've lost control, don't get down on yourself. You too, my friend, as strong as you may be, are limited by your humanity. God is not. That's the reason I can look at you fair and square in the eye and say, no matter what you will journey through in 2016, 
not only is he still in your boat, he's still got you. And he's in control. I'm freaking out, but he's got you. And he's in control. I don't know how this is going to play out, but he's still got you. And he's still in control. How do you freak out? when you invented rain? How do you get freaked out by a lake that you made? How does a storm intimidate you when that was another one of your inventions? Jesus didn't sleep because he didn't care. Jesus slept because he wasn't stressed. Because he's still in control. Thirdly and lastly, not only is he still in your boat, not only is he still in control, thirdly and lastly, he's getting ready to act. Oh, he's getting ready to act. I love the way this story comes to a conclusion. The Bible says, so Jesus is there, he's sleeping, the disciples eventually wake him up. I love to have seen the conversation between the disciples about who was going to wake up the master. Like, they would have all been nervous. Like, bro, seriously, this is real bad. Like, seriously, someone needs to wake Jesus up. And they're, but, but they're all going, dude, like, like, yesterday we saw him, like, kind of raise someone from the dead. And we just, he can probably do the opposite. And so, like, I'm, I, I don't want to be the guy. And, and so they turn to Peter, yo, Pete. You wake up Jesus, you're always shooting your mouth off. Like, come on, you wake him up. And then Pete goes, he called me Satan yesterday. I don't want to push it right now. And I kind of. <laughs> hey, Tom, you say, ah, I, I doubt he'll listen to me. And then like, hey, Judas, you wake Jesus up. And Judas goes, I don't know. He's been looking at me really strange lately. And so I kind of, the disciples are all like freaking out. Eventually someone goes up, wakes Jesus up. And this is the best part. The Bible says he turns to the wind and he turns to the waves and he says, quiet, be still. That, 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 that phrase in the Greek um, literally means Jesus kind of looked at creation and scolded it. This gave him, you know like the mum look that you get? Like my dad was like always, when he used to get angry at me, my mum, and I, whoa, I kind of, okay. Jesus gave creation just the look and creation was calmed. The storm was silenced. The waves dissipated. Just one look from Jesus. Don't allow a season of silence to diminish your understanding of God's strength, God's sovereignty, and God's power. Come on. Don't ever allow a season of silence to fool you into thinking that God is not able. Come on. He forever is. He looked at creation, and it was calmed. Can I just take you to Sunday school for, for like 60 seconds? Come on, Jesus is just as strong as he has ever been. Come on, he is able to provide. He is able to heal. Come on, he is able to help you find that individual you were meant to do life with. Come on, he is able to grow your church. Come on, he is able to release the finances. Come on, he is able. Come on, he is able because he is just as strong as he has ever been. 
This is Jesus. He has got the strength to create the heavens and the earth in six days and still take a day off to watch the All Blacks play. This is our God who's strong enough to bring forth the nation of Israel from a pensioner and his barren wife. Come on, this is our God who's strong enough to humble Pharaoh and all of Egypt's army with nothing but a craggly stick and a gust of wind. Come on, this is our God who can bring down the walls of Jericho with nothing but a song and a shout. Come on, this is our God who can fell the giant Goliath with nothing but a sling and a stone. Come on, this is our God. He can close the mouth of the lion open the eyes of the blind, heal the sick, raise the dead, birth the church. Come on, save your crazy life. Come on, this is our God who's as strong as He has ever been. So no matter what you find yourself in this year, not only is He still in your boat, not only is He still in control, He's getting ready to act, baby. And He's strong enough and He is powerful enough and He is good enough and He is present enough to move in such a way that will leave your breath taken away and the world seeing His glory all the more. I speak it out and I ask you just to receive it in your heart. If you're in the middle of a storm right now and it feels like Jesus has forgotten you, that you would be reminded, uh-uh, He's still in your boat. He's still in control. And He's getting ready to act. By His grace and for His glory, He will move. But He's getting ready to act. And I love how in His acting, in His moving, in His answering, we get to know Him better. Because I love this little side note at the end. The Bible says at the end of this situation, they convene a meeting and they talk to each other, yo, who is this dude? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Or in other words, before this episode, we didn't know this about Jesus. Come on. But after this episode, we know this about him. And here's my sneaky suspicion. Because Jesus is more interested in the men and the women we're becoming, the faith that is developing, our testimonies that are growing, because he is more interested in us seeing him clearer and clearer, having his presence and his character more crystallized in our imaginations because he's more interested in seeing these things happen than just being some kind of celestial vending machine that we pop a coin into every now and then when we have an issue because he's more interested, come on, in who we're becoming. He'll sometimes, listen to this, allow us to go through, come on, a season of silence, knowing that something can happen, come on, in that season that cannot happen in any other environment. Hey, it's one thing to sing Jehovah Jireh, clap my provider when you're in the middle of plenty and bounty, but you declare him as Jehovah Jireh, come on, when you actually need him to provide, that goes from a little Sunday school ditty that we sing to becoming the soundtrack of our lives. It's one thing to sing amazing grace. Oh, what a beautiful hymn. But you just wait till you need His grace so that you can breathe another day. That amazing grace goes from a hymn that we sing to becoming Him and everything that He does. You see, I believe sometimes God allows us to go through these seasons of silence because He's doing something right there, come on, that He could not do in any other environment.
He's in your boat. He's still in control. And by His grace and for His glory in His time, He will act. And this will be for your good and His glory, but in the meantime, do not miss it. He's probably doing some of His best work. I testify to you right now, the best things that I've been growing up in my life haven't come as a result of me singing the hills are alive with the sound of music, standing on top of a mountain with all the sun shining. The best things come on in my life have come out of seasons where I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. But in that moment, I realized He was there. I wish I could end this message with a great breakthrough miracle story. I wish I could tell you the end of like two years, my little baby girl like kind of was like we were in a room and like kind of she was crying and then an angel came and tore open the ceiling and came into the, 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 the lounge room and put a coal in my daughter's mouth and commissioned her to preach the gospel to the nations. That's the reason she was so loud right there. That didn't happen. After two years, my baby girl stopped crying because she got tired. But fear not, my wife and I were smart enough to make another one. <laughs> to pick up exactly where his sister left off. So here we are again. Crying wife, crying baby boy, and me nearly crying. We're not crying because I'm still a manly man. And we're doing everything. We're praying still, and we're reading the Bible still, and we've even tried that hot boiling tea thing once or twice, and, but still night after night, sleep deprivation. But this time there's a difference. This time there's a knowing. This time there's a confidence. I remember one night we're there on the couch and my wife, exhausted but still looking beautiful, turns to me and says, hey, sweetheart, we're going to be okay because Jesus is still in our boat. And I looked to her and I said, honey, I know because I taught you that. My time is done, my race is run, the trap doors are about to open. But it would be remiss of me to conclude without giving someone an opportunity here this morning to invite Jesus to be the captain of their boat. In a few moments, I'm gonna pray for everyone here in this room who has been through or is experiencing a season of silence. I'm believing for breakthrough and for provision and for a miracle. But before that, I'm going to believe that you're going to have the greatest sense of His presence, the greatest sense of His sovereignty. And by His grace and for His glory in His time, I believe He's going to move in the most beautiful, powerful, miraculous way. I'm going to pray for you in just a few moments, but I know there is someone here in this room right now who over the last 42 minutes has been asking themselves this question. I'm not even sure if I have Jesus in my boat. And my friends, I just wanna let you know, that is all Christianity is. Christianity is not rules, it's not regulations, it's not about worshiping in the right church or saying the right things. Christianity is fundamentally just acknowledging that God is love, He cre created us to be loved, and life is lived when we accept this free gift of life 
free gift of relationship that comes by grace and through faith. In a sense, life begins when we invite Jesus to be the captain of our boat. Not just the passenger, because he's God, he deserves the grandest place. Not just an observer, because he is God, there is no one greater to allow to steer our lives. Christianity is all about asking Jesus to come into our boat. And if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to invite Jesus to be the leader and the captain of your life, I would love the opportunity to pray with you really quickly, just to lead you in a simple request prayer. And then after that, I'm going to close up with this general prayer for all of us. But first, if you're here this morning with every eye closed and every head bowed and no one looking around, if that's you here this morning and you know that right now, this instant, Jesus is not the captain or the leader of your life, I would love to lead you in a prayer to rectify that situation. When I count to three, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand where you are so I know who I'm leading in a prayer. Here we go, ready? One, two, three. Lift your hand where you are, if that's you. I see your hand down here, that's so awesome. Is there anyone else here this morning? Wonderful, wonderful. Hey, let's pray this prayer all together. Can we do that, especially you lifted your hand? Let's do it together. Dear Jesus, I trust my life into your hands. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your power. Help me now. Lead me by your Spirit. Amen. Come on, can you put your hands together for those who lifted theirs? So cool. Wow. Thank you, Jesus, for my friends here this morning. I thank you, God, for this exciting year ahead, full of expectation, played on the front foot, attacking our opportunities, seeking for those doors and those avenues where your name could be glorified. I thank you in advance for the great things that are going to happen in 2016. But right now, for my friends who are experiencing or will experience a silence, storm kind of um, situation, Jesus, right now, breakthrough, healing, provision, everything required to bring these situations to a resolution. But before all of that, your presence, a sense of your sovereignty, and a knowing that you will act. By your grace, for your glory, in your time, you will act. Do this for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the opportunity to do a little bit of this journey with you. I'm gonna be back tonight. I'm gonna to be talking more about Jesus. If you have a teenager, bring him along. If you have a son who sits on his Xbox all day long and wears his jeans around here and his underwear up around here, grab that young man, throw him in your boot and bring him to church tonight. If you don't usually come to church twice on a Sunday, make it this, the Sunday that you do that, but make sure you fill your car up on the way. We're gonna have fun tonight as we exalt Jesus again. You guys are amazing. Have a wonderful day.